Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. You're so welcome. Uh, if we haven't met before, uh, my name is Andy. I'm the senior pastor here. Um, forgive me for being slightly emotional, but um, when you lead a community like this and you long for stories like that, And then they happen, Um, it's hard not to feel slightly emotional. Um, Our kind of big idea, if I could let you in on a secret, um, what we're trying to do in this community is help people say yes to Jesus. That's kind of it, really. Um, That's our deepest desire. Uh, That's when this whole thing started 10 years ago, this autumn, uh, we've come up with all kinds of different language and slogans and things, but really it doesn't become or get more basic than what you've just heard of people responding to the voice of God and saying yes. Um, we are in a kind of a, a, a exciting, um, challenging moment culturally, societally, as a church, but one of the privileges I get, I suppose, in this community is I get to kind of connect or see all of the little stories that are going on all over this uh, community. And uh, at times, truthfully, uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Last Sunday, thank you, mate. Um, hopefully this will help. It's absolutely roasting. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's what happens with a thermal uh, flask. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to breathe fire now. Hopefully that's prophetic. Um, as I've listened, observed, and watched over the last few weeks what's going on, I think it's important for you to get a sense of that. Last Sunday, we celebrated eight beautiful souls who follow Jesus in, uh, in baptism um, Chris, oh no, this is a good one. Um, two weeks ago, a parent texted me whenever they got home. Their daughter, who's four, had been in Little Party, which is just at the back on the right-hand side, and they were talking about what had happened in Little Party on their way home. And their four-year-old from the back seat said, Mommy, can I pray? And uh, she said, of course, darling, you can pray. And she prayed, and the mommy texted me the prayer that she prayed. This little four-year-old on the way home from church prayed, King Jesus. Please be the boss of my life and my best friend. Amen. Isn't that cool? Um, I was chatting with some of our team in between the two services about how uh, it is so easy at times for those who enter the trenches of children's ministry on a Sunday morning to think they're doing some form of childcare, and yet those little people in those rooms absorb absolutely every little thing. Uh, Several years ago, we took a bunch of teenagers to a thing called Move, um, based in a big private school in the south of Ireland, and uh, Chris got up before we did that, and he had this really crafted inspirational kind of call for the church to support and help pay for teenagers that were going to go to move. It's 220 pounds per teenager. It's quite expensive. And uh, Chris crafted this whole thing, talked about how his life had been radically changed by going on a camp just like this. And uh, we had four uh, generous souls said, yeah, Chris, we want to be involved in that and we want to help support that. 
two or three weeks ago, I can't remember exactly when, Chris got up and did nothing quite like that. He said, we're sending some teenagers to move this year, and if any of you want to get involved, we'd love to help support kids that can't afford to do that, kids that aren't a part of our church that we're doing Alpha with in schools. We'd love to help them get to move. And between then and now, we have 32 people who have given or pledged to give 220 pounds. It's around seven and a half grand. Jamie, who was uh, leading worship and helping us pray for Dave and Maggie and Andy McCabe, who I think is in the cave at the back uh, doing things, are, are just back. For, oh, and there's over here. There he is, right there. How could I miss you? Stand up. Stand up. Andy McCabe, everybody. Um, Jimmy and Andy are just back from Poland, uh, working in a shelter like where the family that are staying with Dave and Maggie have been staying. Uh, their hearts have been absolutely wrecked, and they're working with us in terms of how we figure out ongoing support for what's going on uh, out there. Kelly and Kit and Cora are here, my favorite toddler who uh, you'll see me talking to up here. But uh, Kelly and Roy are in that season of life where it's just chaos, right? <laughs> Little people, I know all what it's like. And in the midst of that, have ordered their lives around saying yes to Jesus. Roy leads worship here regularly. Kelly has started a business and uh, her goal with her business is to help be part of solving the mental health crisis across this community at a moment in their lives when it's easier to say there's loads going on, this is too difficult, or we'll get through this and then do that. Rather than that, they've just said, Jesus, we're all yours. What do you want to do with us? I've never chatted to so many of you working in the NHS in the midst of all of the chaos of what is a broken system who have said to me, Andy, I've never prayed more in my work in a moment when it's so easy and I get it to be demoralized and discouraged, instead walking in a different direction of every single day, entering work, in work, leaving work, praying, Jesus, what do you see? What do you say? And how do I get involved? I know this is a challenging moment for all of us, but if you want to know what the kingdom of God breaking into our lives looks like, just look around. Is it everything we long for? Absolutely not. Is it something that we need to notice, pay attention to, and get involved with? You better believe it. Following Jesus, I've said this so many times, it's really, really simple. It's just really, really hard. Following Jesus is really simple. It's just really hard. It looks like sacrifice. It looks like cost. In the midst of our ordinary, in the midst of our mundane, in the midst of our everyday lives, waking up with the question, Jesus, what are you asking me to do today? How can I say yes to you today? We're starting a new series this morning. It's going to last about eight weeks called Walking with God. And part of the reason we want to do this is we feel like this is a moment for us to get back to some really basic things as we've journeyed through this thing called the pandemic, as we've all been deformed in what community and spiritual formation and mission looks like, what does it look like for us to get back to the basics of walking with God? Why don't you grab a Bible sitting beside you, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 13. Luke 24, verse 13. It's a famous passage to some of you. Let me read this for us. Come, Holy Spirit. Now that same day, 
Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. They recognized him and disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? and open the scriptures to us. Father, we need your voice. We thank you for your word. And we humbly, boldly this afternoon pray, come Holy Spirit, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I wonder how many of you have got things that keep you up at night. I know there are plenty of newborns in this community at the moment, but I'm not talking about that kind of being kept up at night. I wonder how many of you have worries and anxieties that can sometimes seem nowhere to be found when you're brushing your teeth, but somehow the moment your head hits the pillow, it's like, surprise, you thought I was gone, but here I am, and I'm going to hang around for a while. What do we do when life gets on top of us? What do we do when things get really hard? What do we do whenever we have somehow lost our way? These two companions on this road, they're in one of those moments. They've lived through the very first Holy Week, just seven days earlier, no doubt, they were there with the crowds welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. It's really likely that they were there the next day when Jesus went into the temple and overturned the tables and drove out those who set human obstacles up between people desperate for God and his presence. The whole city for that week was electric. Jesus was the one that they had longed for. 
And he was about to set everything in heaven above and on earth below right. God's good future was about to be established on the earth, and those who'd been following Jesus were so expectant for this glorious unveiling of our rightful King coming to rule. And then, in a garden, late at night, a kiss from a friend unleashed something that none of them, except for Jesus, were ready for. The next day, a sham trial, public torture, and the most humiliating and excruciating public execution. They watched the one that they thought had come to set them free die before their very eyes. Verse 14 in this passage says, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Desperately trying to make sense of what literally on earth just happened. How in seven days did we go from thousands welcoming this man as king into the city to us now dandering down this dusty road with broken hearts figuring out what on earth do we do next? Hi, kid. Two poor souls just trying to make sense of it all. And I wonder how many of us have found ourselves somewhere like this. I know you're eating sweeties. I saw it, but it's gone. (laughs) Mommy might have some more back there. No, definitely not. There's no more. Sorry, boss. What will we do? (laughs) Bigger sweeties. I don't think so. No, you can't come up here. We talk about this every Sunday. (laughs) Kelly Graham, everybody. What a wee legend. I wonder, as you've journeyed the last couple of years, as you've walked through this pandemic, have you found yourself somewhere recent? As we have watched on our news screens what's unfolded in Eastern Europe, as we maybe don't get the detail in the same way, but we read about what's happening right now in Yemen and all sorts of other places, truthfully, in my most quiet moments, I can't help but wonder, God, what on earth is going on? Verse 15 in this story is so beautiful. And I think it's happening all over the world, maybe even all over this room right now. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. As they processed their broken hearts, as they put words to the questions they have about all of the big problems going on all around them, the text says Jesus himself came up and walks along with them. The text says that they didn't, or more accurately, they were kept from recognizing him. What a weird thing. This is really important to know about God. His behavior is weird and unpredictable and not like us. Like, why conceal himself? Great question. I don't have an answer. 
the crux of the human condition, perhaps. How often does the Lord Jesus himself walk with us and we don't recognize him? I love the way Jesus deals with these two pilgrims. He asks them a question. Is so like God, the one who knows everything, asks them a question. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? God's questions have a way of piercing us to the very core of what matters. And I wonder how you would answer that question were Jesus himself to come alongside you today or in this season of your life and ask you the question, what are you talking about? What is it that occupies your heart and your mind? What are the questions that form the atmosphere of your life right now? What are you talking about? You see, this is so basic, but so important for us to understand if we're going to think about walking with God. God cares what you're talking about. God cares what you're talking about. Now, depending upon your upbringing, that could sound like a rebuke. God cares what you're talking about, so you better watch your mouth. I don't think that's what we see here at all. Two heartbroken humans comforting each other in their confusion. And Jesus says, what's going on? What are you talking about? Maybe you need to know right now with what you're talking about that God cares. Regardless of what caused what you're talking about, regardless of perhaps the sense of responsibility and shame that you hold over what you're talking about right now, God cares about it. He cares what you're talking about. If there's stuff in your life filling you with fear and doubt, Jesus comes closely, often not directly, sometimes not even recognizable and says, what are you talking about? I want to know what's on your mind. Verse 17 records the state of these two men. I wonder how many of you can relate. Something tragic Maybe the news of a loved one that's passed away that you have to give to another loved one. Have you ever had this moment when you try to tell someone some heartbreaking news and you can't actually get the words out? You try to speak and instead tears happen. That's what happens here. Jesus says, what are you talking about? Verse 17 says, they stood still, their faces downcast. They can't even put the words into their mouths. I love how human the Bible is. They can't even bring themselves to tell Jesus. One of them simply says, are you the only one around here that doesn't know what has just happened? I wonder if you ever had pain so deep that you couldn't even pray. That's kind of where they're at. All they can muster is, are you the only person? How could you not have heard what has happened here? That's where they are. Jesus stays in the conversation with them as they walk, and eventually they get to their destination. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. Again, it's just weird God behavior. They get where they're going, and Jesus is like, right, see you later. 
I think that happens to us all the time. We walk with the Lord in seasons. Some crisis happens and we think, I need God. And he gently and comfortingly, if that's even a word, walks with us and we get through that. And he's like, well, this is where I'm going. And we say, okay, Jesus, see you later. I'll check back in when I need you again. These two pilgrims, they say something different. Verse 29, such a beautiful prayer. Jesus goes to walk on and they just look at him and say, stay with us. Stay with us. They have to invite him to stay and we are no different. And not just once, by the way. Preferably daily. (laughs) You can't quite manage that. Do it at least weekly. Invite Jesus to stay. Jesus, would you come? Would you stay? Walking with God. We need to know that he cares about our cares. And he needs us to invite him to stay. If we're going to walk with God, we begin by understanding that he cares. But whatever's going on in your life, he cares. But he needs you to invite him to stay. Jesus goes in and he shares a meal with these men. And he breaks bread. He does that thing that was so familiar to them. And in that moment, he's instantly recognizable. They're like, we know who this is. And verse 32, in amazement, they wonder. I love how this is recorded. They look at each other and they say, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? Something happened within us that we should have recognized. They're like somehow reflecting on this going, it was Jesus the whole time. We knew it, but we didn't know it. I wonder if you ever had a moment like that where you know something that you're not supposed to maybe know. The truth of Jesus and the presence of Jesus causes our hearts to burn within us even when we don't understand 1960, Ruby Bridges was six years old. Her mother volunteered her to be the first African-American to attend an all-white primary school in New Orleans. She had to be escorted to and from school by up to 25 federal marshals to protect her, six years old, from the angry crowd that would scream death threats at her. One adult held a black doll above their head in a coffin. Every white parent pulled their children out of the school and Ruby would sit in an empty class where she was taught by a lady called Barbara Henry, the only teacher willing to offer Ruby an education. Ruby recalls wandering the empty building at break and lunchtime looking for other children to talk to. A child psychologist by the name of Robert Coles watching this unfold, offered Ruby's parents some counseling for her. And once a week, he would come to the family home where Ruby lived, and he would counsel this child. And one week, during the counseling, Dr. Cole spoke to Ruby. He said, you looked like you were talking to some of the people on your way into school yesterday. Did you finally get angry with them? No, doctor, she replied. I didn't tell them anything. I didn't speak to them. 
Who were you talking to? The doctor then asked. And Ruby looked at the man and said, I was talking to God. I was praying for the people on the street. And after Dr. Coles regained his composure, he asked her, what do you say when you pray for those people, Ruby? She replied, oh, I always pray the same thing. Please, God, try to forgive these people, even if they say mean things. They don't know what they're doing. Six. Does your heart not burn within you when you hear stories like that? What is that? It's the truth of who we were designed to be, modeled in the most beautiful and powerful way by a six-year-old. It's so obvious that little six-year-old Ruby had learned as she walked with God that he cared about what she cared about. She, at six, had learned how to invite Jesus to stay with her. And it's so clear that in her young life, she had learned how to allow the things of God to burn brightest within her own heart. This is the point. As we begin to maybe reboot or reflect on what does it look like or require of us to walk with God, we begin by understanding that he cares. We choose to invite him to stay, and then we allow the things that burn most brightly in his heart to burn most brightly in ours. Jamie, why don't you guys come on back up? If you're able, will you stand? I wonder, what do you need to talk to Jesus about today? Maybe for the first time in a while, you need to invite him to stay. Or maybe it's time for you to reconnect to the fire of God freshly and again in your life. Why don't you close your eyes if it's helpful to open your hands. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. We welcome you in this moment. Some of you need to hear that simple, gentle whisper from Jesus. I care what you're talking about. I care about what's going on. For some of you, it's a really simple prayer. Jesus, would you stay with me?
in my senses, for most of us, we need to invite the Holy Spirit to set our hearts on fire once again. So Lord, we pray, come do your work. We want to say yes to you. Let's worship together for a minute. Following Jesus is really, really simple. It's also really, really hard. And I wonder, what is it that Jesus is asking you to say yes to in this season of your life, in this moment? Where does it cost? Where do you need the family of God to be real because of what you're saying yes to in your lives? Little six-year-old Ruby's response was really simple and really obvious, but it's really hard. That's why community is important. That's why the presence of Jesus is essential because it sustains us in a way that ideas can't or even beliefs. The very real and intimate presence of Jesus whispering the words, I'm with you. I really sense strongly in my own spirit that this is a season or a moment for us as a whole church to reflect deeply on that question. What is it right now that Jesus is asking you to say yes to that doesn't need to be some big profound, I'm moving to the other side of the world. It can be as simple as loosening your grip on the control that you need to have in your life. Of putting the words, I forgive you in your mouth when you think about that family member or that person. Of sending that email to say, it makes no sense for us right now, but we know that God's asking us to open our home to those who need it, and we're just gonna say yes. May you this day know the grace of the resurrected ruling, Lord Jesus. May the love of Almighty God, your Father, who knows you intimately. And may the mischievous friendship of the Holy Spirit overwhelm you this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.